You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let's open the Word of God together. This afternoon we turn to the second letter of Paul to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the verses 1 to 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. I preach to you this afternoon from the word of our God as the church confesses and summarizes this from the Holy Scriptures from Lord's Day 1, question and answer 1 and 2. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He is fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. If for by his Holy Spirit he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. What do you need to know in order to live and die in the joy of this comfort? First, how great my sins and misery are. Second, how I am delivered from all my sins and misery. And third, how I am to be thankful to God for such deliverance. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Heidelberg Catechism is really nothing more and nothing less than a short book on the theme of comfort. It begins already in a very pronounced way in Lord's Day 1, question and answer 1, as well as question and answer 2. And it continues to explore this particular theme and all of the three major parts that follow. 
Part one shows us why we need comfort. We need it in the face of all manner of sin and misery. Part two tells us just how we are delivered from all of this sin and misery and can receive comfort. And then part three comes along and shows us how to live a thankful and comfort-filled life. Indeed, you can say that comfort is everywhere in the Heidelberg Catechism. Of course, the word as such may not be used everywhere, but the reality is everywhere. Oh, and in many respects, it has to be said, this is not so surprising after all. What is the catechism but a little book that seeks to summarize the scriptures? And what are the scriptures? What do they represent? They represent the ultimate book of comfort. It's a comfort that you can see already at the very beginning in the creation of heaven and earth and the creation of man. It's a comfort that comes out again in Genesis 3:15 after the fall into sin. It's a comfort that's linked to the seed of the woman, to the adoption of Israel, the preservation of David's line. It climaxes in the gift of David's great son, Jesus Christ. And it keeps on chugging along through all the pages of the epistles of the apostles. It lives forever on the pages of Holy Writ. The Bible is our comfort book. And so the Heidelberg Catechism really is not inventing anything new. It simply echoes the pages of the scriptures. Both are all about comfort. But nevertheless, it has to be said that some parts, of course, are more about comfort than others. Take, for example, Lord's Day 1. I think it's recognized by all and every one as being the Lord's Day par excellence when it comes to the theme of comfort. And the same can be said of the Holy Scriptures, for there we find two chapters that really stand out or that stand head and shoulders above all others when it comes to comfort. The first chapter is found in the Old Testament. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, you all know it. It begins, comfort, comfort, my people, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. Why even sing those particular words? But then if Isaiah 40 is the comfort chapter in the Old Testament, what represents the comfort chapter in the New Testament? Now that may not be quite so obvious. It may take a little bit more thought, even perhaps some additional study. You know what it is? It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's these words that we have just read together about the God of all comfort. You see, what Isaiah 40 is to the Old Testament, 2 Corinthians 1 is to the New Testament. Yes, and it's now, especially in connection with 2 Corinthians 1, that we want to consider this opening Lord's Day of the Heidelberg Catechism. I preached to you on the theme, Catechism Comfort. We'll look at the source, subject, and survival. 
Well, let's turn our attention, first of all, together to the matter of source. Who is said to be the source of comfort when it comes to Lord's Day 1? The Catechism answers in a very clear and unequivocal manner, the source of my comfort is my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at how it begins. The question is, what is your only comfort in life? And yes, have you ever come across a more searching, penetrating question than this? Notice it's, it's very personal. What is your? This is not about us. It's not about the other person. It's not about your neighbor. No, this is about me. I and I alone am addressed here. And I, and I alone, have to answer you. And it's also far-reaching. What is your only comfort in life and death? This is not just about today or even just about tomorrow. No, this is about forever and always. Life and death. This side of the grave on the other side of the grave. And as well, this is exclusive. What is your only comfort? This is not about the many. This is about the big one. The only true one. The one that matters more than all the rest. And notice this is also a very basic question. What is your only comfort? Comfort, what's that? You know, you could say comfort, that's what keeps me together when everything else falls apart. It's the light at the end of the tunnel. It's the stuff that helps me go on. No matter what. And in spite of everything. And so, beloved, what a question. What is your only comfort in life and death? But then if the question is loaded, the answer is even more loaded. What is the answer? Well, here's the short version. I am not my own, but belong with body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That's my comfort. In a nutshell, I don't belong to me. I don't belong to my friends. I don't belong to my parents. I don't belong to my husband or my wife. I belong first and foremost to Christ. What does that mean? Well, it means, for one, that I belong to the Savior of the world. For Jesus means Savior. He has saved me from my sins. It means that I belong to the anointed one of God, for Christ means anointed in him. In other words, resides all wisdom and power, majesty and glory. And it means that I belong to him totally. It encompasses both my body and my soul. All of me belongs to him. And it means that I have nothing, absolutely nothing to fear, to worry about, 
For look, he's faithful. He is my faithful Savior. He will not forget me. He will not shortchange me. He will not betray me. He will always stand beside me and take care of me. Always. Forever. In short then, beloved, the source of my comfort is Jesus. Jesus Christ. It all resides in him. But that's part of the catechism. But then turn with me, for example, to the Apostle Paul. And what does he say about comfort and comfort's source? In verse 3 he writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. I would say that in those words the Apostle Paul is reminding the Corinthian believers and us as well that there is more to be said about our comfort and that really we should not overlook the ultimate source of our comfort, for really behind Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stands God the Father. And notice Paul calls him two things. He first calls him the Father of compassion. We might wonder why does he call him this? Well, I suspect it has a lot to do with the situation in in Corinth at that time. You know, actually, the Apostle Paul wrote four letters to the church at Corinth. We have only two of them. The other two are lost. But yet from them, we know enough to realize that Corinth was a tumultuous place and that a lot of this tumult spilled over into the church of Jesus Christ. And the result was infighting, competition, slander, immorality, heresy, and a host of other problems. The church of Corinth was a deeply troubled church. And so it needed a lot of help. And the Apostle Paul gave it a lot of help. He visited there a number of times, and when he was there, he taught patiently and endlessly, But it would appear that for the most part, not much really changed. And the result is that he also at times resorts to warnings and admonitions. At times he doesn't hesitate to get tough with their gross sins and their vile practices. Yes, and when he does so, he does so always in the name of God the Father. But yet, what happens when you issue stern warnings on behalf of somebody else? People may get the impression that you are hard and that your God is hard as well. Tough apostle, tough God. It's all the same thing. But not really. For now, look at how Paul begins this second epistle. He he draws the attention of the believers in Corinth and to us today as well to the fact that while our God is holy, and we heard that this morning, he is also a God who is full of compassion. He knows our frame. He knows our needs, our our insecurities, our weaknesses, our struggles, our, our burdens, and our cares. 
Our God understands us better than any psychiatrist or psychologist. Better than we understand ourselves. And our God sympathizes with us and loves us. When we mess up, as we often do, he doesn't instantly fly off the handle, give us a verbal thrashing, threaten us and leave in a huff. Now it's more like he sighs. And he keeps on teaching and reminding and showing and helping us. His heart may hurt, but it does not grow cold. For he is the father of compassion. And not just that. He's also, Paul adds, notice, the God of all comfort. And that's really a touching title and expression. It means that God not only identifies himself with compassion, but also with comfort. And in that regard, the Apostle Paul uses a great word from the original text. For the word comfort literally means someone who comes and and stands beside you, who supports you, who encourages you, who puts his arm around you, as it were, who is always there for you. Comfort is God's middle name. And then not just as the God of little comfort all either, Paul says he is the God of all comfort. It all comes from him. He possesses all of it. Every ounce of comfort that there is in this world and that comes to us comes from him. He is its source and dispenser. So now what do we have? Do we actually have two sources of comfort? The Catechism says our comfort is belonging to Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says that our comfort comes from God the Father. So what is it? Who is comfort's source? Is it the Son? Is it the Father? In actual fact, it's both. Indeed, Paul shows us that there is no way that you can drive a wedge between the two or that you should in any way portray the one as being in competition with the other. For look at what he says in its entirety. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. There are two divine persons here, but they're both involved in the same thing. They're both singing the same song. They're both dispensing the same grace. Comfort may at bottom come from the Father, but it always flows through the Son. Well, then, how does this comfort flow through the Son? You might say that the catechism searches far and wide in the scriptures and comes up with the following three-part answer. And the first part, the catechism says, is is all about salvation. It begins by pointing me to to what he has saved me from. And and really, it's, it's many things, many different things 
Many evils, a lot of nasty stuff. But of course, you'll notice the catechism doesn't itemize or give you a long list or categories of all these things. It just brings it all together in one word, and the word is sin. Christ saves me from sin by paying for my sin. And how does he pay? Well, the price is blood. His blood. His precious and priceless blood. He's beaten. And his blood is shed. He's scorched. And his blood flows. He's crucified, pierced with a sword. And still more of his blood comes out. Yes, and his blood flows, and as it does so, it pays for me, it washes me, it cleanses me, it redeems me, and removes my sin. It makes me clean again. And something else as well, for as his blood flows, it sets me free from the slavery of the devil. You see, this is both cleansing blood and liberating blood. I am rescued, saved, redeemed. My comfort is grounded ultimately in my salvation. But there is more, for if the first part of my comfort is all about salvation, the second part of my comfort, says the Catechism, summarizing the Scriptures, is all about my preservation. And again, the Catechism depicts Christ as the main mover. First, He saves me, and then He proceeds to preserve me. And he does so in a most meticulous manner. The Catechism says that allied with God the Father, God the Son makes sure that not even a hair can fall from my head. Not even one hair. And isn't that, if you think about it, isn't that just about the smallest, most insignificant part of your life and my life? Who cares about hair? Who counts hair? Either it grows or it doesn't grow. If it does not grow, so be it bald is beautiful. On the other hand, if it does grow, it soon needs to be clipped and trimmed. In no time at all, a well-trimmed head can become a mangy Shaggy mop top. So for those who have hair, who cares? Who cares when it's cut? Who even notices when it falls? But God does. He sees what happens to all of me, even to those little, meaningless, insignificant parts of me. And in the process, he takes care of me, of all and every little piece of me. He preserves me and he leads me into quiet waters. In some ways, he's like a captain of a boat in a, in a storm. 
And my life is filled with ups and downs, with waves and billows, with winds and storms. He sees me through. He pilots my life into a safe harbor. My comfort, you see, rests in being saved as well as in being safe. Safe. In Jesus Christ. Oh, and one more thing. My comfort is also about a third part called expectation. And the Catechism puts that part like this. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me willing and ready from now on to live for Him. Notice again the He. What does He do? What does Christ also do for me? He also uses His Holy Spirit to assure, to convince and convict me, to fill me with certainty and expectation. And the result of that is that we can say, I I know, I just know that I am a child of God and that the gift of eternal life is mine. I know what the future holds for me that in turn it also helps me live right today. I have a future destiny. And I also have a daily direction and duty. So what does this only comfort in Christ do for me? It fills my life with salvation, preservation, expectation, It fills me in such a way that I can meet every challenge and deal with every hurdle. Oh, and beloved, is that not what the Apostle Paul hooks into as well? The Apostle Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 1, the God of all comfort is the one who comforts us in all our troubles. God's comfort is like... Like medicine. It's like an ointment that can be applied to each and every one of our troubles, pains, and sorrows. Indeed, no matter the trouble, God has something for it. He will comfort us in every circumstance. And in addition, Paul also adds that this precious comfort enables him as well as others to comfort others. Verse 4. We can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. We are its recipients and we are to be its dispensers. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. You see, this isn't just a little bit of comfort. That isn't just a tiny dose of it. This stuff overflows its banks. And if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. Quite simply, this comfort is meant to be experienced personally, and it is to be shared and reveled in communally. It's wrong to hog it. 
to keep it all to yourself. You need to tell others about it. Regard it as a nice, if there is such a thing, a nice contagious disease that you need to give to other people. Spread it. Expose them to it. And if you do, it'll enable them too to stand and ultimately to rejoice. And even, I might add, to survive. You know, that's how the Apostle Paul experienced it as well. In the verses 8 to 11, he refers to the hardships that he experienced in Asia. And he says they were of such a nature that he was sure that he was doomed to die. He felt like a man who was on his last legs. And so what did he do then? He says that he turned and relied on Christ. He says and he writes, we set our hope on him. That's all we did. In all of our troubles and all of our difficulties is as we simply looked to Christ and we placed all of our hope and confidence and expectation in him. You see, he grabbed hold of his only comfort. And what did his only comfort do? He delivered Paul. And those with him, he says and writes, from a deadly peril. You see, it's almost as if God's comfort wrapped itself around him, protected him, saved him, enabled him to look death in the face and not blink. Truly, what a comfort this is. Beloved, this is Paul's comfort. This is the Heidelberg's Catechism's comfort. And I would add, this is also your comfort today. There's nothing, nothing in this life or in the life to come like belonging to Jesus Christ. Body and soul, life and death. Believe it, enjoy it, confess it, and live it. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.